When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a wonderful talent. And uh, he's tremendous. He's uh, he's built a uh, just an incredible body of work, and uh, he's one of the people that uh, that I'll say this about. It's not only the body of work, the quantity in there, but the quality within the body of work. Uh, absolutely tremendous actor. Uh, he's absolutely terrific, and he's surrounded by a, a cast of, uh, of folks, including Anthony uh, Hopkins and uh, Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong, uh, Armageddon Time, and it's out. It is a must-watch, everyone. Andrew Polk is our very special guest. And uh, what, uh, listen, uh, just add another uh, rave review, uh, which you're getting and, and the uh, film is getting, to your uh, to your record here. Andrew, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to be here. And uh, I'm excited about people seeing the movie. Yeah, well, when you when you look around and you see that kind of talent, uh, I, I would imagine, and I'm a non-actor, but I imagine it's it's got to be uh, it's got to give you a sense of enthusiasm, right, to be around all these people. Uh, have you worked with a lot of these folks before? I haven't. No, I haven't worked with Jeremy Strong or Anne Hathaway or Anthony Hopkins before. No, um, but you know, it's funny. Something I, I think the reason that the you know uh, all those folks uh, were in the movie is because they were attracted to uh this un- amazing script uh written by james gray and to working with james gray who always makes somehow all the all the actors uh better <laughs> and uh, everyone's always so wonderful in his movies and i think that's what attracts them um and then at the end of the day um we're all you know Yes, there's some really famous, amazing people there, but we're all doing the same thing. We're all acting. We're all trying to tell the story. And some of that, after a while, some of that stuff, you know, the fame stuff, um, it's kind of in the background. You're just all then just working. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this is is uh, autobiographical, right? This is James Gray. uh, Growing up, is is that what it is? Can you give us an overview of what this is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a story about an 11-year-old sixth grader who grows up um, in uh, Flushing, Queens, New York in 1980 on the eve of the presidential election of Ronald Reagan. And it's about his friendship with uh, uh, a black kid uh, and how in a newly integrated school system that has just had budget cuts and how their friendship um, goes different ways over the course of the story. And uh, it's about this working class, middle working class uh, Jewish family in Flushing, Queens. And it's about uh, asking this 11-year-old boy for the first time in his life to see the world for what it is and to, have make, to make choices about it, moral choices. So, but it's also hilarious. It's also very, very moving. Uh, it's a great movie, I really you know, can honestly say. 
people love seeing it. They're very moved by it, you know, and uh, that's the general. And, and it, it's autobiographical, like you say. It's based on James Gray's, James Gray's life. Um, and the person I play, Mr. Turkletow, there, really uh, hard-nosed, humorless, sixth-grade teacher, uh, it was a real guy, and I had to. I did some research, and then, you know, it was really James Gray's teacher. And I, I found some other people I knew that actually had him as a teacher. So it, is he still alive? Is uh, Tuckletob uh, still alive? No, he, he he passed away at relatively young age of a heart attack, unfortunately. Yeah. But I got to talk to people who knew him, and uh, you know, all that information really helped me actually to know like just the kind of he might have been under having to teach 42 kids all by himself that sort of maybe at the end of his time as a teacher about ready to retire kind of on his last nerve <laughs> and yeah. uh, um, you know and I had James James Gray was a great resource because that was his teacher so I was able to really do some research and uh, not imitate the guy but maybe bring his spirit to the situation you know I, I've got to believe it's fascinating from your standpoint, and, I, and I've watched so much uh, of your work, uh, The Marvelous uh, Mrs. Maisel, uh, uh, Billions, House of Cards, uh, all is great. You're just terrific. You're terrific in everything I've ever seen you. Thank you. And I could just imagine, right, you're, so you're the, the 11-year-old kid's memory of what this this figure is, what this teacher is. And here you are with James Gray exactly. kind of... Uh, constructing this this character and creating this character together, or you recreating it. I mean, to me, that's got to be fascinating. It was, and and you know, uh, I don't want to give too much away about the movie. Yeah, but a lot of really crazy things happen, and I would I would be able to turn to James Gray and say, you know, well, how, how do we play this? And he said, listen, it, don't worry about it. This actually happened to me. So this is real. So yeah. that was really helpful. You know what I mean? To yeah. ground you just, and uh, bring this guy, just ground you in reality and help tell that story. Oh, listen, yeah. James Gray's terrific also. what? Lots of talent. Uh, it, you know, just every way you look, there's a lot of talent. I, I you know, oh, and yeah. again, this is me as a non-actor saying this, but I, I, if I'm walking in, I'm you, you've, you've got your own reputation, you've got a great reputation, and, and you're walking in, there's Academy Award winners, there's... Uh, there's uh, actors yeah, yeah. and actresses and then you got James Gray there and and you walk in and you know you're one of them you know and you you belong there right uh, all of it it's just, it's just a great cast and and you go in there is it a is it just a job or is it is it kind of an experience I mean what is it for you it, it's a great what it, it's both it's, well it's, it's a great experience and that you can really uh, give all the credit to James Gray there because he really created an atmosphere of uh of making all of us, and I think, I won't speak for the other actors, but I, I know they felt the same way, feel like we're doing our best work. And the way he did that was just to make us feel totally free. Like, I remember the first day I was there, I asked James Gray, who wrote the script, I said, can I can I change this one word? Um, uh, and he said, hey, I, say whatever you like, I don't care. I know the writer. <laughs> so he, he, he uh, yeah. you know, he gave me, it, just by saying that, he gave me absolute freedom to be my best self. And I think all the other actors, famous ones and not, felt the same way. And so I think how he's able to get them, you know, um, because they feel like they're doing their best work with James Gray.
Uh, listen, congratulations, not only on Armageddon time, uh, but uh, uh, but everything. You, what a career you've put together. Tell us anything before oh, we let God, you go that you that we should know about what, uh, what else is going on. And if you have any socials or uh, or websites that you want to point us to, please do that so we could follow along with what you're doing. Uh, sure. <clears throat> sure, you can get me on, um, on Instagram and on Facebook. That's what I do. And uh, actually, yesterday, just wrapped a... Uh, uh, a little a bit I did on FBI um, uh, on CBS. So look for that. Uh, I'll be that'll be out, and I have a couple movies coming out uh, also on top of this. Uh, uh, an untitled film about Cabrini, and uh, a movie called Space Oddity with uh, Kevin Bacon. And so that's. Uh, yeah, you, you always got so much going on. Congrats on everything, uh, Andrew, and thank you very much for being thank here. Thank you so much, my friend. Andrew uh, Polk. Thank, thank you, you Andrew. Thank Andrew Polk has been our very special guest. What a terrific actor, and I, I love him and everything I've ever seen him. And he's just, he just, he just lays it out there. He is, he is dynamite. And you know, if you ever watch back to back. Uh, some some different roles. He's he's diverse too. He's got he's got range, uh, and you could you know you could put him back to back, in in different things. You watch him in Billions, or you watch him in House of Cards, and uh, the marvelous Ms. Uh, Mrs. Maisel, and uh, and and you just watch some scenes back to back, and you're like, wow, it's the same guy. Andrew Polk's terrific. Really really strong actor, and that whole cast is uh, is terrific. Anthony Hopkins, of course. Um, you know, Hannibal Lecter. I, I mean, you can't get much better than than Anthony Hopkins, and uh, Anne Hathaway is there. Jeremy Strong. And again, it's based on the life story of James Gray, who's a terrific uh, uh, writer, and it's called Armageddon Time, and it's in theaters now. You can check it out if you're looking for something to see. Definitely check this out. I will. Um, and, and he plays Mr. Turkletob. That's Andrew Polk plays Mr. Turkletob. And that was Gray's uh, teacher and uh, a, a, an integral part of his uh, his boyhood story. And, you know, it's, yeah, to me, it's, uh, it's fast. I'm fascinated by actors and, and directors and, and people telling their story. You know, we all tell stories, right? We all have stories to tell. But these guys are, are constructing a, together they're cooperating and and here you are cooperating with a guy whose memory as an 11 year old boy is is matching up with uh with with turkletop you know i didn't want to say it because i don't want to sound like a you know wise ass saying it but uh when uh, when james gray says yeah i don't care what you say or whatever you know that's that's a good insight into to kind of hollywood um uh, you know what do you call it? justice or uh, uh you know um Poetic justice, you know, you have, uh, you you have the right to do what you want once you have written your own story and you're getting it made and you're getting it made by guys like Anthony Perkins and uh, Anthony Perkins, Anthony Hopkins, and uh, Anne Hathaway and and of course Andrew Polk. Uh, you got that poetic license where you can, you know, anything goes. Yeah, he knows the writer, uh, him. He can do whatever he wants in something like that. And I guess as long as it comes out. Uh, you know, who cares if it matches up with his history? So you see where history gets kind of uh, bastardized there, just in that one little line. And uh, to me, it's fascinating. Frank McKay here, and Andrew Polk, actor, wonderful actor, has been our very special guest. And 
You can see Armageddon Time in theaters now. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a very talented lady. Uh, she is terrific. Uh, she is uh, she is funny. She's got uh, she's she's got an imagination uh, like you wouldn't believe uh, when it comes to uh, you know I'm assuming her writing and I don't know what her process is, but she's terrific. She's laugh out loud, funny, and uh, her latest is uh, is Meatball Therapy. That's her new spe- uh, special. Kendra Cunningham is our very special guest, and uh, you got to see it. It's just, it's absolutely terrific. Kendra, how are you? I'm doing good, Frank. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Well, uh, listen, it's well-deserved. L- laden, laden with compliments and adjectives that I love. <laughs> Well, listen. Well deserved. I mean, you've uh, you've you've been at it for a while for a young gal, but I, I imagine somewhere along the line, uh, you, it all snapped into place for you. It all clicked. Was there a moment? Was there a, a a moment where you just found your confidence on stage? Did it happen over a period of time, or was it a, was there this one specific show where it all just came into uh, into place? Um, great question. I think, well, I think the big confidence boost, um, that made me think I'm going to try to pursue this is when I got accepted into the Boston Comedy Festival, which was like in like 2008, I think. Um, and I was like, oh, people actually like watched my set and, and want me to come and perform there. And then I think it was like little nuggets too. And then I started shooting like little web series and stuff that people liked and, it's a slow grind. I mean, I feel like I'm definitely confident in my stand-up now, um, and now I want to like write scripts and be confident in that. It's always you're always trying to do something to to grow and 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 keep fresh. Uh, do you remember the first person you met who was making a living doing what you're doing now? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean. I didn't meet I didn't meet him, but I will I will say one of the first comics that I was like watched and said I can't you know I think it was very um, amazed that they this was their job type of thing was probably like Nick DiPaolo, yeah. um, you know he's a because he, he was from Massachusetts and I just w- was drawn to him and it was funny because then years later. I was always a fan of his, and then 15 years later or whatever, I opened for him a bunch. So that was pretty cool. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Massachusetts uh, uh, comedians and and some great stand up uh, just historically from uh, from over there. And I'm wondering if it has to do specifically with with the. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, blessed by geography in a sense, is there a, uh, because there's so many great comedy clubs, or they used to be, I don't know if there still are, out of Boston, and uh, and there's such a scene in and around there. Is, do you think that's a reason why they, they breed them there, and they, they seem to uh, they seem to, to grow uh, comedians, yourself included, out of that one little area? Yeah, I know, it's it's a it's a really great question, and I wish I had the answer to that because I've thought about it myself too. Um, 
I, I don't know. My, I mean, my mother's a, a, a lifer here in Boston, and she's just one of the funniest, wittiest people I know. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not sure where it comes from. I'd love to investigate it further, but then at the same time, I don't want people uh, taking the information and, and reproducing it in <laughs> other areas. So <laughs> I'll be selfish here. Well, listen, Meatball Therapy, give us a rundown for those who haven't seen it uh, yet. Just uh, give, give a little rundown, if you don't mind. Uh, what, do you, what, what do you touch on? What do you, uh, uh, what do you think the highlights uh, for you are, anyway, with, uh, with, with this new special? Uh, well, one of the things that I really love about it is it's, um, there's sort of like a narrative through line. It's almost like a, a very funny one-woman show because it talks about, um, you know, growing up in Boston, my parents getting divorced. Um, my father was a little bit of a, you know, um, kind of dis- disappeared a little bit. He was a big gambler and stuff. And so, but making light of it, of course. So very much personal personal stories and um, just how even when, you, like, in a weird way, I think my screwed up relationship with my father benefited me in the long run type of thing, you know. But I talk about therapy. I talk about, you know, of course, boys going to Catholic school, uh, moving to New York, um, all sorts of stuff like that. I, you know, having no money and, and pretending like we did, stuff like that. Well, I saw it the first week, so I, I, I cheated a bit uh, here. And my sure. father was an absentee. And I'm speaking about my father, but I, I kind of connected. He's an absentee father, and he was a huge gambler. He was a, a terrible oh, gambler. No way. Yeah, so we kind of connected over yeah. that. I, 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 I thought you just, I think it was a brilliant special, and, and I think everyone's got to see it. It's absolutely, uh, absolutely terrific. Uh, how much went into uh, the, the before thought? Uh, do you do you kind of uh, write from uh, from improv, or do you uh, do you sit and do you purposely make yourself write each morning? Uh, what's your methodology? I do well. I feel like my a lot of my best jokes come from just being in conversation with people. You know, like I'll just be talking and I'll say something. I'm like, oh, that's really funny. I'm going to keep it. Um, those are my favorite jokes because I don't have to think about them so much, but I do definitely sit down and I tend to have a topic or an idea that I know is funny in some way and then just work on it to try to get to the place where I'm like, okay, this is, it can be understandable to more than, you know, my immediate circle of people and, and, and people will think it's funny, um, after having rewritten it and really explored it more. So I definitely do sit down with an idea um, to, 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 deep, to dive deep into. Well, listen, whatever you, you've been doing, just keep doing it. You're, you're hitting it out of the park. Uh, you're performing at a very high level at this point. You've got to be really proud, of, certainly, of this special. But I, all of your work is absolutely terrific. Uh, thrilled, thrilled uh, when I found out I was having you on. You're a very talented lady. Uh, tell us, before we let you go, uh, Kendra, just tell us anything that we should know uh, about you, anything that's coming up, anything you want to add about the uh, the special meatball therapy, and uh, and also uh, make sure you leave us with your social media sites or websites or whatever you, you're concentrating on. Oh, 
Oh, sure. Um, well, let's see. Well, you can find me on social media. Mostly I keep my Instagram is the, probably the most active at the other Kendra. I do have a website, KendraCunningham.com. Meatball Therapy is on Amazon, iTunes, YouTube, DirecTV, anywhere where you find the streaming stuff. Um, working on, I did a, a funny web series with a mock TV. I was a mock TV show host called Kitty, working on making that into more of a developed series and um, hoping to, you know, I've been auditioning a lot. I want to get, my next thing is I want to do something on TV or an independent film. So keeping my fingers crossed there. Well, listen, the sky's the limit for you. Congrats on everything that you've been doing. Certainly, meatball therapy is just absolutely terrific. Kendra Cunningham, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. Kendra Cunningham, you've seen her on Last Comic Standing. I think that's where I saw her first. Saturday Night Live, uh, Gotham Live, The Jimmy Kimmel Show, Tyra Banks, uh, Nickelodeon's Mom's Night Out. What is that? I'm just reading here. Um, Sherry Shepard's Stand-Up Showcase. And, uh, and you know, others. There's some others here I can list for a while. She's got a good set of, of uh, credits that she's developed. I mean, she's, uh, she's put it together very nicely. And um, this is good. I've seen this. I, I saw this, uh, I think it was last week, uh, you know, right at the, the beginning of the week before. And I, I turned it on. I checked it out. And it's, uh, it's, it's real good. I mean, it's, it's streaming. You can get it any time. And um, it's called Meatball, Meatball Therapy. Just Google that and Kendra Cunningham and, and you'll get it. Uh, she's good. She's very funny. And uh, she's got a great look to her. And, you know, she gets into the, uh, you know, the whole dating scene. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, she's got a, you know, she's got a humility to her that uh, I think goes well. And she's, uh, you know, she's self-deprecating. Uh, she she does it uh, she does it well she's uh, she's very good um uh, she she talks about her awkwardness and uh in in the dating scene i think a lot of people are going to like that uh, male and female i think are going to are going to appreciate how she is and she's candid and uh and, and terrific anyway she is uh, Kendra Cunningham meatball therapy is her latest special and uh, you'll definitely want to check this out uh, from from Boston, I don't know. Does she have an accent from Boston? But you know, Stephen Wright from uh, from Boston, and, and so many other great comedians. She mentioned, um, uh, you know, different uh, you know uh, different folks, and uh, just uh, listen. Over the years, that area has produced uh, a lot of great comedians, and uh, you know, f- for good reason. There's good comedy clubs there. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Right. Um, are, are there good comedians because there there are a lot of places for them to play, or are there a lot of places to play because there just happen to be a good uh, uh, talent base there? Uh, New York and and L.A. of course have uh, tremendous uh, scenes, uh, com- comedic scenes, and st- for stand up. Uh, but you would expect that, right? I mean, that's not a big shock. Uh, Boston. Um, for, for some reason it's just disproportionately uh, a lot of great comedians coming from over there as well. Frank McKay signing off. Kendra Cunningham has been our very special guest. Check out Meatball Therapy and we'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone.
to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Mark Blake is the author of so many great books, and uh, and Rock is his uh, is his focus, and uh, the new one is uh, is just a must get. Everyone's got to get this. Magnifico, the A to Z of Queen. And uh, he's written uh, about everyone. Peter Grant is a fascinating uh, subject. He's the manager of, uh, late manager of, of, of the great Led Zeppelin. And uh, just a fascinating read. But here, we want everyone to get this book. Get two. Get one for yourself and get one for your favorite Queen fan. But who better to talk to than Mark Blake? Mark, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Thank you. Well, listen, it's well-deserved, and you're someone who's uh, who's passionate about writing about people that they're not making any more of. Uh, this is a different era. This is a different uh, class of people, and I think it's very important to uh, uh, to document uh, a, a historical time and uh, place. And I don't know if you look at it like I do, but uh, a great subject with Queen. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating characters. And obviously, active at a time when the music industry is very different to how it is now. Um, yeah, four songwriters in one band. I mean, that alone, I think, uh, marks that makes them stand out as well. Everyone immediately gravitates towards Freddie, of course. He was the, the charisma. He was the one of the kind. He was the legend. In, in doing your research on Queen now and in the past, uh, who who would you say is uh, also fascinating in the band that, that maybe gets overlooked? Well, I think I think all of them in different ways, but I think John Deacon, the bass player who wants nothing to do with Queen now and just lives a very quiet life and has done for, for over 30 years. I think John's sort of, uh, John Deacon's an underrated member of Queen. Because obviously he's a fantastic musician, fantastic bass player, and he wrote the hit. He wrote another one by Sir Dust. Um, you know that that one alone he contributed that bass line to Under Pressure. So I think he's kind of the unsung hero of Queen, which is something I've tried to tackle in this book and try to give him a little bit more credit um, than perhaps he, he people realise. You, you know, I always. Uh, I always think of Brian May and, and well, the whole crew uh, as being a very intelligent lot. And uh, it, we, we've heard that over the, uh, over the years. Very bright people. We could tell from, from the music. Uh, can you underline that? I mean, th- this is one of the smarter bands, certainly smarter rock bands, that you're ever going to come across. A lot of brilliance in this band. Very much so. I mean, they're all very intelligent guys, all very highly educated guys. I think Freddie Mercury was the one that um, kind of slipped out of college before he got his degree, but did tell people that he had. But they, no, they were a very intelligent group of group of musicians. Um, and in the case of Brian May, I mean, Brian May would have been a scientist, research scientist or something in, a, in another life. I mean, he was a school teacher here before he became a rock star. So, you know, if, if it hadn't worked out with Queen, he would have probably been a headmaster somewhere in a very prominent kind of school here in the UK or something like that. Now, let me remind folks if they're just tuning in uh, or if they're just turning on their radio a little, a little late. Magnifico is the book 
the A to Z of Queen. Uh, it's a must get. And we're here with Mark Blake, the author of this great break, uh, great book, Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, when you talk to Brian and you talk to, uh, to Roger, how important is legacy to them? Is it old hat at this point or is it still important for them to, to make sure Queen uh, and the story of Queen is told properly? I think it's important for them because they want this music to translate and to carry on for future generations. I mean, one of the things that Roger Taylor said when I, I interviewed him a few years ago, he said, I don't just want Queen's music to be on a CD or on a vinyl record. I want it to be music that you hear in films or on TV commercials. I want it to be part of the landscape. Now, obviously, in doing that, you're making a lot of money. Queen makes a huge amount of money from the fact that their songs are licensed. To, you know, TV commercials and in films and so on. But, you know, beyond that, I think there's a degree of artistic pride. I think they're very proud of what they achieved, and I think they're probably absolutely thrilled to bits that people still care about it, even now, all these many years after Freddie Mercury died, because I think when he died, they originally, originally for many, many years, they thought that was the end of Queen. Yeah, I, I mean, no question, and it's anything but. And uh, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody, when the film came out, there was just a whole, um, uh, you know, almost a reboot on on the uh, enthusiasm of uh, of Queen and Freddie Mercury and and the rest of the guys. Uh, just uh, just amazing. I mean, I can't read, wait to read your book. Uh, uh, let me ask you this about uh, again, Brian and Roger. Uh, are they? Uh, are they what we would expect? I, you know, again, they're in, they're intelligent guys. We've established that. We've always known that. Uh, are they um, are, are they well established in themselves? Are they are they stable people? When you go to their uh, their homes or when you see their home <laughs> life, are, are they stable people? Well, I mean, I don't know. I always think uh, is any rock star fully stable? I'm not sure. That, I think you have to be a little bit unstable to want to be a musician and to want to be a rock star and a performer. So I think there's a good bit of instability there. But no, they are. They're, they're men in their 70s. They're, they're family men. You know, they're not out partying every night. But they're very different as people. You know, I mean, Roger Taylor was a guy who enjoyed fast cars and late nights and all of that stuff back in the day. Brian May was always the quieter one. They're still very different people. But yeah, they... They're, they're, they're stable, I think, uh, compared to many musicians out there, but not too stable. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, just just stable enough to uh, to be uh, uh, older rock stars. I, uh, listen, I can't wait to read this. Uh, uh, tell us Absolutely. something real quick before you go. Something that you you found fascinating, or something that was maybe an aha moment uh, in in the research of this book. Something you didn't know about them before you started writing it. I think it's just I didn't realize how different Freddie Mercury was as a kid. I interviewed some of his earliest friends when he first came to the UK, and they all said the same thing. Never in a million years would you have imagined that this shy, unassuming guy would have, A, turned out to be as successful a songwriter as he was, but also that he was as successful a performer as he was in a showman, because that, that just did not come across when they all met him as, as a young man. And I think it wasn't until I spoke to them that I realized what a transformation he went through. Uh, Mark Blake, I want to congratulate you on, on all your work, not just Magnifico, the A to Z of Queen. Uh, can you give us a website, a social media site, and anything else we should know before we let you go? Sure, you can um, check out my website, which is Mark R. Blake. 
com, and it's it, anything that's happening is is all on there. Mark Blake, thank you very much for being here. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Good to talk to you. Magnifico, the A to Z of Queen. Uh, anything Mark Blake writes, uh, you should read. I mean, he is, uh, you know, he is fascinated with uh, rock stars, and especially from this era. Uh, Peter Grant is a, a great subject of his, um, and uh, it's. It, it, I think it's called Bring It On Home. If I, I don't, let me see if I find. Yeah, Bring It On Home. Peter Grant, Led Zeppelin, and Beyond. Um, the story of Rock's uh, greatest manager. And you can certainly make that argument with Peter Grant. And, uh, you know, the the one thing I, people always remember about Peter Grant was in the song Remains the Same, and he was he was arguing with the uh, merchandiser. And he was, uh, you know, he was really being demonstrative. Big, giant guy, Peter Grant. Uh, physically, uh, big guy, heavy set, and, you know, bearded, uh, loud, and he was chewing out some merchandiser. I kind of looked at it, you know, like that one scene as, you know, did, did they stage this? Did they want to show what Peter was about or, or whatever? Or, um, you know, like, I mean, shouldn't he have been worried about other things uh, than that? But I guess they were getting, they were trying to underline the fact that, you know, Peter Grant's worried about every little detail, even though it's a super group, it's whatever. But if, if you haven't seen Song Remains the Same, check it out and you kind of see Peter... Grant in motion. Um, the the Who uh, is another one. The Who in the '60s is another one of his books. Comfortably Numb, the inside uh, numb uh, inside the uh, in, inside story of Pink Floyd, and um, you know, hey, look, uh, he uh, he gets into the bands that I, uh, uh, you know, that I've always been fascinated with that that era, and and again, they're not making any more of these guys. It's it's over, right? If we thought there was going to be, I mean, there might be a, a resurgence of of new uh, arena rock type bands, you know, the classic rock type bands. Uh, it, it's it just doesn't look like it's going in, in that direction. And I think there'll always be a a market. There'll always be people who uh, appreciate, you know, live drums, let's say, rather than everything manufactured. But uh, you know, this is uh, this is an era. That when I was growing up, and you know, look, I was born in 1967. So by the time I was 12 years old, by the time I was nine, we went to my mother took my brother and I to a Kiss concert, and it was the last time she ever did anything like that. And I have an older brother, Gordon, who uh, you know he was a couple years older than me, and and she would trust us. She would drive. I don't know if she should have. She uh, she would drop us off uh, in front of uh, a stadium or whatever, and we'd. We'd find our way in. We'd have our tickets. We'd go in, and and we'd come back out, and and that's what we did. We did concerts, and I always thought it would it would be forever. I always thought that those type of concerts would be forever. It's really not. Uh, it's a whole different um, situation now. And uh, but you know, when you get a guy that like Mark Blake, and he's uh, he's going into the details of these of these bands and these uh, these great artists. Um, it's playing to people like me, people that uh, that were into that the whole rock scene, and that's what we grew up on. That's what we were into. Uh, Frank McKay here, uh, signing off. Mark Blake is the author of Magnifico, uh, the A to Z of Queen, in-depth study biography of the great band Queen. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. In-
many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's breaking it down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. The uh, the absolute uh, brainchild of Rick Harrison's with Porn Stars. And uh, now there's a spinoff, Porn Stars Do America. And it is, I, honestly, the best of these shows that you could ever imagine. So many people came by and they tried to imitate it. And they in different ways, they tried to imitate him. He's just, uh, he's just real. This will be the first time I'm talking to him. But absolutely thrilled to have him. He's the mastermind and star of Porn Stars. Rick Harrison, how are you? I'm doing absolutely great. Um especially after being uh living on the road for four months that was a little tough yeah i i can imagine that's uh that's not you right you you kind of stay closer to home um yeah i mean so uh we did this new show i mean back in april we um you know we finished season 19 we figured we had to do something epic for season 20 and then we came up with the idea let's just do a completely different show this summer we'll do uh eight uh two-hour episodes in uh, eight different cities. Called, um, it was originally going to be called, you know, the Pawn Stars Roadshow, but I figured, no, we had to come up with a better one. And then <laughs> I looked at Corey and Chum, who looked like Beavis and Butthead, and I was like, yeah, let's do Pawn to America. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen, it's I, it, it's can't miss uh, TV for me because I, I think you've j- just been doing this in, in, incredibly well uh, for so long now. 19, when you say 19 seasons, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, my God, 19. And it's fresh. You know, you never jump the shark or whatever they whatever they call it. Right. Uh, can you imagine when you first started out doing this that you'd be talking here uh, going on to your 19th season, 20th season? Uh, did you ever anticipate it being this long? Uh, no, never. I mean, I was I was hoping for a season or two, and um, you know, to help out business a little bit. I never thought it would be in 150 countries and 38 languages. Jeez. Wow, just wow. I mean, what, what do you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was in Kuala Lumpur, and everyone knew who I was. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I mean, it, it's it's just an unbelievable uh, run that you've had, and you know what? It's to to me. You don't look like you're acting. This, you look like this is who I am, and I, I'm, I'm just going to do myself on TV. Did you see yourself changing from from the start to uh, to when it? I guess when it just really when you became this this personality, when you became this celebrity. Did you notice a change in yourself? No, not really. I mean, I hang, still hang out with all the same all the same friends and everything else like that. It's still the same me. I mean, it's just. Uh, uh, when I go to some place where a lot of people are drinking, I've got to bring some security with me, which is usually just a friend of mine, yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I imagine you have so much more leverage, too, when somebody comes in to sell something. They they, they want to get on TV, right? They want to, uh, you know, they maybe they want to haggle, but most guys, I, I would imagine, are a little starstruck, and, you know, they're here with you and, and, and whatever, but you got tremendous leverage when somebody comes in and says, look, I, you know, I got the Civil War rifle. I mean, you've seen, first of all, probably a million of them or, you know, a thousand of them. And, uh, and nobody's going to be able to BS you at this point. Well, I mean, it, it's finally to the point where, like, you know, like forever, you know, people come to the pawn shop and I tell them about their stuff. They wouldn't believe me. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but nowadays when they come in and they talk to me like, I guess you do know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean, but that's that's a nice place to be. When, when did it become that for you? What what season did it become? Uh, nobody was second guessing you anymore. Was it instantaneous? i uh, probably like the second or third season, and like you know, people were realizing, yeah, I actually know what I'm talking about. Like, uh, yeah, because I'm always completely honest. If I don't know about something, I'll tell them I don't know about something. I'll try and call someone who does. And uh, generally, I, I know so many people. I've done business with so many people. I can find somebody. Well, you know, now you're under a microscope. Uh, you are, you know, for 19, so you've been under a microscope. Uh, people are watching. You got an audience uh, it, watching you negotiate, watching you make assessments and everything else. And it's, you know, it, it's why I think you're a very honest guy. You never get caught up. I've never seen you, like, embarrassed. I've never seen you, and, and I've I've watched so many of the, uh, the episodes. I've never seen you uh, just not... Uh, like try to BS your way through it or, or just try to fake your way through it. And I, I, I guess that's got to be empowering in, in itself. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you just have to, uh, you know, I, I've met a million people in my life who, when they don't know something, they'll just go, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They act like they do know something. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, my dad was career military. I did that. I would have been um, put in my place really, really quick when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I get it. And l- listen, and it shows. Uh, let me, uh, let me, you know, ask you this: uh, as far as your knowledge of all the different things that have come uh, come along, because it's uh, it's under such of a, a microscope, uh, do you find yourself studying more, or did you at least in the beginning start studying different things or googling things? Are you are you like that? Are you a researcher? Oh, oh yeah, I mean. Um... I mean, ever since I was a kid, I've read, you know, one or two books a week. And uh, I'm just a super history nerd. I mean, I'm such a I mean, I'm just telling you right now, the Kardashians sat down right next to me. I'd have no idea who they are. <laughs> I would know Kim, but I don't think I'd know any of the others. I've, I've never seen uh, Yeah, it. no, I'm just, I'm just a book nerd. I, uh, I read all I read history all the time. And, uh, you know, keep up on the markets of collectibles and things like that. And, uh, yeah, I still use Google and stuff like that all the time. But, you know, uh uh, I go on Wikipedia and I start reading Wikipedia and like I just like start picking out everything that's wrong on Wikipedia. So uh, I just I got a good research library and I use that a lot. It, personally, are you are you a bucket list type guy? Do you uh, do you have a big set of goals that you you want to do outside of this world, outside of pawn shops? Uh, is there uh, is there anything that's on your list that you haven't done but you you're looking to check it off soon? Um, not really. I mean, I've done just about everything. I mean, my whole thing right now is I just want a little bit more time off to hang out with my grandkids. Yeah, well, that's nice. Yeah, see, that's that's something you've earned. And uh, you know, look, I, I imagine when you're not shooting, you got a lot of freedom, right? You're doing you you're doing very well. The shop uh, is, and by the way, I've been to the shop. I mean, it's just uh, just great. Um, but in between the show and the shop and everything else, you you could write your own schedule, kind of. I I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I, when I'm not filming, I can take a little time off. I mean, I have a little ranch in Oregon that I go up to, um, and I work around there. And uh, you know, I got all my you know, you know, my psychotherapy is going to my garage, working on all my old cars. So I got plenty of time to do that. And uh, you know, uh, even when I'm not filming, though, I got businesses I got to take care of. So, but I got good, I got really good people working for me. Oh, listen, uh, you've earned it. Everything you get, take a bow, Rick Harrison, and and let me remind everyone once again, and we'll talk about it as we let you go to Pawn Stars 
Do America. Uh, Frank McKay here with Rick Harrison. Rick, before you go, do you have uh, social media sites you want to share with us, websites, uh, and anything else oh, yeah. you want to tell yeah. us about the, the new show? Yeah, gspawn.com. You can buy stuff that's on the show. Uh, you can buy chub bobbleheads, all kinds of stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, thanks for being here. Congrats on all your success, and I uh, can't wait to see Pawn Stars Do America. All right, thanks for everything. Rick Harrison, everyone. Pawn Stars. He yeah, he's the boss over there, mastermind and star of Pawn Stars. And he takes the show to a, a, a different um, area. He's he's doing a, well, different areas, I should say, right? Uh, he's doing a spinoff series, Pawn Stars Do America. And uh, what did he say? Uh, Pawn Stars on the Road. I, yeah, I guess, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's much of a difference, to be honest with you. Pawn Stars Do America, Pawn Stars on the Road. But uh, whatever it is. Uh, you get it. It's a it's a different take, and you know I imagine uh, it gives them some, um, uh, you know, a little bit of latitude to, uh, you know, try the different customs to do a little sightseeing, and they could work it into the show. Look, reality TV, uh, you know, let's face it, it probably started or really kicked off. And I know people say real world, but it kicked off with OJ when the OJ trial happened. And everybody was watching that, including me. I watched, uh, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but I watched the OJ trial and I took it very, very seriously. I was just enthralled by the whole thing. And I think a lot of people listening, a lot of you guys are going to say the same thing. And obviously that led to the uh, to court TV and, you know, different things that, that went along. But to me, that's when uh, reality TV hit and... Producers turned around and said, you know what, it's very cheap, very cheap to do some reality TV. We don't have to hire actors. We don't have to do this. And let's uh, let's see how we, uh, we're going to do with it. And you would assume that it would have lasted a couple years like, you know, everything, like game shows, right? They don't, they had their good run in the 70s and things like that in the 50s. And, you know, soap operas had their good run and, and they, uh, they, they wear down. Reality shows are still going. You know, he mentioned Kardashian. Right? He mentioned the Kardashians. And I've never seen the show in my life. And, I, you know, I know uh, Kim Kardashian uh, just from, you know, just from her being such a big celebrity and, and all that. But I don't think I could pick out Chloe or, or who the other ones, you know. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, of course. Um, you know, I, I could pick her out. But I couldn't pick out the other ones. Um forget it but anyway reality tv is is obviously here to stay and it, it's i mean it's going stronger than ever right i don't know that it's ever turning around and you know here they come they they get through 19 seasons on pawn stars and they're like oh, what are we gonna do oh, we'll do a spinoff right do a spinoff and uh, history channel uh, it doesn't even have to blink i doubt they you know I, I doubt they gave it a second thought and they just said yeah do it Rick Harrison knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a pro, and he's the mastermind, as I said, and the star of Pawn Stars. Um, Frank McKay signing off. Rick Harrison of Pawn Stars has been our very special guest. Their new spinoff is called Pawn Stars Do America. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.